got their Bible, turn to Psalms 23. And I always ask you to pray that God would speak through the messages, but I especially want you to pray that prayer this morning. Uh, we're going to be looking at Psalms 23 for a couple of weeks, and uh, I'd like for us to think of this as just kind of an introduction to the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms are in the Old Testament, which first of all makes us think, well, that's some, just some old stuff and don't know if it has any relevance to our time. I want to tell you one thing. When you really begin to get into the book of Psalms, it is one of the most exciting portions of Scripture. I'm hoping and praying that God will use me this morning to pass that on to you. And as I studied and prepared for this message, I thought, Lord, it's either going to be uh, a great moment as we, we get an understanding of what the Psalms is all about, or this is going to be one of the most boring sermons that the people of Theresa Baptist Church have ever heard. And I'm serious about that. And today, when we close this service, I hope you're going to say, boy, I sure am glad I was at church this morning because this helps me get a perspective on what the Psalms is all about. And again, this is about the Lord, so let's ask him to be in our midst and bless us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we believe that the Scripture contains the inspired Word of God. It is the inspired Word of God. And so, Lord, we would never attempt to open the Bible without asking and giving you permission to speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, that you'll take this message, not only Psalms 23, but all of the Psalms, and, Lord, that you'll just speak to our hearts in a way that you've never spoken before. Lord, I just pray that every one of us will honestly come before you and say, Lord, I want to learn more about the Word of God. Lord, I don't want to be a stranger to you and to your Word. And, and Lord, we believe that you speak to our hearts and minds through your Word. So, Lord, today in these moments ahead, we just ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would guide our thinking Lord, I pray that you will guide my words and my speech, Father, that you will be honored. And, Lord, that truly, as we look at Psalms 23, we'll see it in a new and fresh way. And we'll apply it to our lives, whether we're young or old. And, Lord, may we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of you can say Psalms 23 by heart, but let me read this psalm, and you can follow with me if you would like to, okay? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies." Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the entire Bible, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, and I'm asking this question to you, what would you say is the best known and most heard scripture out of the entire Bible? Wouldn't most of us agree that it would have to be John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But if I ask you to narrow that down to the Old Testament, if I ask you what would you say is the best known and 
most heard and most loved passage of Scripture in the Old Testament. I think most people would say Psalms 23. Well, folks, there's some irony in this because when and where have you and I most heard the 23rd Psalm read? At funerals. And folks, so often we associate Psalms 23 with death and dying, with sadness and with grief. And let's be honest, most often we associate Psalms 23 with older adults. Is that not true? Do we think that Psalms 23 is just for old folks? Now, I'm not being critical nor sarcastic. Folks, I believe there's no specific age group for the meaning and impact of Psalms 23. And for the next couple of weeks, of course, we're going to have the Baptist Women's Day next Sunday, but for several weeks after that, I want us to take a fresh look at Psalms 23. And I want to encourage you to spend time in the coming weeks in meditating on this psalm and applying it to your life, however young or old you are, regardless of the point in time you're at in your life. I want to ask you to allow the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit of God to give you insight to what God is saying through David to every generation. And young people, I hope and pray, and I really mean this, I hope you'll get excited about Psalms 23. Well, folks, I want to show you on the next slide and and on a document where this comes from. uh, One Old Testament scholar's name is Robert Daniel. He wrote a book entitled How to Study the Psalms. And this is how he would outline Psalms 23. The theme of Psalms 23 is God's wonderful care. And then he would give this very simple outline. And I want to give this to you because I hope that this will help you kind of get the picture of what David is talking about. In verse 1 through the first part of verse 3, David is speaking about God's wonderful care as a shepherd. Now, again, all of this is going to seem foreign. How many of us know about shepherds, what they do? But folks, I want to tell you, we're going to get to this. David compares, now David was a shepherd, you remember when God called him, but David compares the love and care of God for each one of us as a shepherd. Now folks, there's an implication to that, he is also comparing you and I to sheep. The Bible has a lot to say about sheep. Sheep go astray, sheep get all messed up, and isn't that not true with you and I, but we have a wonderful shepherd, and the first Two verses in the first part of verse 3, God's wonderful care as a shepherd. Secondly, in verse 3b and 4, God's wonderful care as a guide. Folks, let me tell you something. Have you ever been somewhere you'd never been before you needed a guide? In the biblical concept in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, when someone would get ready to take a trip, they would get a guide. Let me tell you, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Don't even have this in my notes. But, but folks, this is such an exciting passage of Scripture. In John 14, Jesus said, I go before you to prepare a place for you. He's talking about being a guide. And folks, in the Old Testament, David is saying that God becomes our guide. How many of us need a guide to get us through life? This is what David is saying about God. He gives wonderful care as a guide. And then the last two verses, verses 5 and 6, God's wonderful care as a host. Folks, 
There is so much in this psalm to be applied to our daily living right now. But I want to give you some of the historical background of the psalms. And again, for whatever reason God led me to share this with you, I pray that it's going to help you and help me to understand the psalms. First of all, in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The title for the book of Psalms, and I'm probably going to say this wrong. It's been so long since I was in seminary and took Hebrew. But Tahalim is the title. And you know what that word means? Of course you don't. That's why I'm going to tell you. Praises. Praises. This book, these Psalms, are about praising God. And when it was translated into Greek, it got the title Psalms. And Psalms mean songs. Songs to the accomplishment. accomplishment I can't even say that word. Accomplishment accompaniment of stringed instruments. In fact, if you got your Bible open, look back at Psalms 22. I tell you, it's either going to be a bust or a boom today, folks, okay? All right? Hang with me. Look at the inscription. The inscription is what's written before the psalm begins. These inscriptions were written later. It's thought added in. Nobody knows when. But they kind of set the background for the psalm. And just look at Psalms 22 as, as the introduction to this psalm. It says, to the choir master. Listen to this. And I love the NIV has it this way, for the director of music to the tomb of the doe of the morning. Have any of y'all heard that song, to the doe of the morning? I hadn't either. But they knew what that was back in David's day. And folks, here's my whole point. Music played an important role in the ancient Hebrew worship. These psalms were the Hebrew hymns. And originally, these psalms were used in worship services. And folks, as I started studying this, it dawned on me. Now, I don't have an iPod. How many in this room have an iPod? Probably younger people, aren't it? Okay, have I got this right? I don't have one, okay? But you download music into iPods, and you can listen to your favorite songs. Is that not right? This is God's iPod, the book of Psalms. These are some of God's favorite songs that his people sang and worship and praise and description of God. And folks, it is so beautiful. This is... The Caleb of the Bible, the book of Psalms. Now, look, I'm not trying to be funny this morning. How many of you listen to Caleb? Y'all aren't really excited this morning. How many of you listen to Caleb? All right, folks, Psalms is the Caleb of the Bible. Does that make sense? You know, I, I swan it, I believe Satan has so blinded us to getting excited about the Word of God. And I'm saying that about myself, folks. You know, for years I said, well, that's just 150 chapters in the Bible. Man, some of those things are long. Like Psalms, what is it, 119 that talks about the Word of God. Longest passage in the Scripture. But folks, the people that wrote these Psalms, and, and they're written over a 900 to 1,000 year period. It's thought that the early Psalm, Psalms 90, was written by Moses. It is a prayer. And so that would have been around the 15th century to the 5th century. So for almost 900 to 1,000 years, 
people wrote down songs about God and about how he had worked in their life. And those psalms are collected in the Bible. Now, folks, again, I hope you can get excited about this. Because, folks, this is people giving testimony about how they met God and what God did in their lives. Folks, who wrote all of these psalms, 150 of them? Well, let me just mention just a little bit of facts here, okay? It's thought that King David wrote 73. You know, for a long time, I didn't think about David as a songwriter. He is truly one of the greatest songwriters that ever lived. And there's a man named Asap. I hope I'm saying that right. A-S-A-P-H. He wrote 12. He is a musical and prophetically gifted Levite. Now, again, hang with me this morning, okay? There's a son of Korah. They wrote 10. It's thought that they were a, a gifted music family. Now, let me ask you something. A lot of you have favorite quartets. And, and you would say, I love to listen to that. Let's just say the Revelations, for example, okay? Would you not say that God has gifted them and they come and sing in our church? And many of you get excited about hearing the Revelations because they're singing about their experience with God. Folks, this is what the Psalms is about. These folks were excited. You know, you're not going to write a song. You're not going to sing a song until you get excited. Is that right? Even if it's a country and western song, man, if it doesn't, if it doesn't really affect your heart and mind, you're not going to be committing that psalm to memory and singing it. I said psalm, didn't I? Psalm and song are going to be synonymous, okay? You know, how many of I love Alan Jackson? I think I can sing better than he can sometimes when I'm singing with him. But folks, here's my point. It puts a song in my heart and I want to sing. And these folks, because they had experienced the living God and what God was doing in their life, God began to put songs in their hearts and in their minds. And they began to sing and they began to write songs in praise of God. King Solomon is credited with writing to He-Man. I don't know who that is. Ethan, their Levitical priest, apparently. They wrote a psalm each and then there are 50 that are anonymous. But folks, let me point out that King David, King Hezekiah, and Ezra, and Nehemiah probably gathered, collected some of these songs. Look, the Bible just didn't boom, just fall into place. And, and we're talking about between 900 and 1,000 years of history of gathering these songs together. Folks, think. Think about it. Psalms 23 has affected generations for thousands and thousands of years. That is a power of the Word of God. That's a power of a testimony. You know, Lee was talking about our, our, our grandparents. You know, as grandparents today, we have the power of influencing generations to come by the life that we live, by the words that we speak, by the songs that we sing and by the things that we share about our God. You know that? In the book of Psalms, this is what this is all about, folks. These people had met the living God, and God put a song in their heart. I I'm, I'm keep repeating that God put a song in their heart, and they wanted to share it 
with the people. I'm going to read some verses of Scripture to you that aren't going to make any sense except in this context. And I want you to know that before I read them. Some of these names I'm not going to be able to pronounce, okay? So don't be disappointed in me, okay? But these 150 Psalms were collected, it seemed, by at least four people, King David, King Hezekiah, Ezra, and Nehemiah. And there were different points and times in the history of Israel. Let me read this to you out of 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verses 16 to 22. And again, just listen. Just listen to the word of God. David also commanded the chiefs of the Levite to appoint their brethren, brethren as the singers who should play, play loudly on musical instruments. Let me stop right there for just a second. Let me tell you the context of this. David is now king. They're getting ready to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the city of Jerusalem. And boy, what a worship service it was going to be. And so David commands the chief of the Levites, who are the priests, the ministers, to get a bunch of singers together. Now listen to this. You know, how many of us have said, that music is just too loud at church? Have you ever said that before? I have. I'll gladly admit it, you know. I'm getting older. And sometimes I don't like the music so loud, but look at this. David told him, you get the singers together and play loudly on musical instruments. Why is he doing this? Folks, it's a time of worship. I'm not saying we've got to have loud music for worship, but sometimes we ought to have loud music to wake us up. We're about God's business. This is just not some earthly thing that we do. This is something divine that we do. We've been appointed by God to be people who can experience worship with God. So they gathered the singers. Look at these musical instruments, harps, lyres, cymbals, to raise sounds of what? Joy. They didn't come into the house of God to be bored by a preacher. They came to worship the living God and experience times of joy. Listen verse 17. So the Levites appointed He-Man. Now, I'm just going to list these folks. Folks, they knew who these people were. He-Man, and he's one of the psalm writers, the son of Joel, and of his brethren, Asap. You remember we mentioned him, the son of uh, Berechiah, and the sons of Moriah, their, their brethren. Ethan, you remember his name was mentioned as a psalm writer, the son of, I can't say that name. Go to the next slide. Okay, and with their brethren of the second order, Zechariah, Jack, uh, I can't say those names either. Um, let's go to the next one. All right, verse 19. The singers, He-Man, Asap, Ethan, were, were, uh, were to sound bronze cymbals. Can you imagine the noise they made? Uh, more names were to play harps according to Al Alamoth. Um, I, I told you all, I can't pronounce these words, okay? But look, verse 22. The leader of the Levites in music, the choir director is Shen what is that Janet Janet Thornburg all right I'm not making fun of the word of God folks but here is my point these people gathered in worship and they began to sing and praise God there was another time King Hezekiah in second chronicles chapter 29 let me read some of those verses Second Chronicles 29, 25 to 30, the context of this, they're rededicating the house of God. I want to tell you something. When revival comes, one of the ways that we'll know it's happening is because people will want to praise the living God. And revival happened in King Hezekiah's day. 
And listen to this. And he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, harps, lyres, according to the commandment of David and of Gad the king's seer and Nathan the prophet, for the commandment was from the Lord through his prophets. The Levites stood with the instruments of David. Did you and I know that David made musical instruments apparently? Look at this. The Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priest with the trumpets. And Hezekiah commanded that the burnt offering be offered on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the songs to the Lord began also. And the trumpets accompanied by the instruments of David, king of Israel. The whole assembly. The whole assembly worshipped and the singers sang and the trumpeters sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. When the offering was finished, the king and all who were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. And folks, during the days of, of Hezekiah, well, I, I didn't finish verse 30. And Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praises to the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. And they sang praises with gladness. They bowed down and worshiped. Folks, more than likely, Psalms 23 was one of the songs that they were singing during this time of worship. And there's one other reference I want to make. During the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, and you remember this was a time of great revival when they discovered again the word of God. And in in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 27, just one verse, look at this. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. Folks, listen. Here is my point. Singing the praise of God and the testimonies about God from the Psalms was a wonderful part of the worship of the people of Israel. And folks, listen, we're not going to sing the Psalms. I don't know what the music was, but did you notice in that last song that we sang, uh, Surely Goodness and Mercy? A lot of the words out of Psalms 23 were in that psalm. Do you remember that? I hope we'll sing that. Friend, let's keep putting that in the bulletin and we'll sing it while we're doing Psalms 23, okay? But did you notice the impact that Psalms 23 had on that song? Folks, here is my point. Not only in 2012 must we not neglect the act of singing and praising and worship, but we need to hear again the relevance from daily living of the message of these psalms. Because, folks, let me tell you something. Not only in the book of Psalms, a songbook but it is also a devotional book. Let me quickly give you the general categories of the Psalms. And there are 13 that are listed, and these 13 categories are from, if you've got a full-life study Bible, here's, here, that's where these notes are from, okay? And I'll run over these quickly. Now, what I want to ask you to do is I'm thinking, as I'm talking to you about the different types of Psalms, think about one that you've read or heard that you remember. The first category is hallelujah or praise songs, especially toward the end of Psalms. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord is so evident. Are we praising the Lord? Are we? Are we happy that we're a child of God? Folks, these psalm writers were happy because they'd seen God work in their life. The second category is, and I'll quickly mention the 13th, thanksgiving songs. 
prayers and supplication songs. About half of the psalms are prayer songs. Acknowledgement and confession of sin. Psalms 32, David confesses his sin after he's had a relationship with Bathsheba. Psalms 51, where he asked that God would restore the joy of his salvation. There's the sacred history songs where the writers will tell generations to follow, this is what God did for us. There are psalms that speak about the, the Lord reigning. Psalms 2 is a good example of this, where regardless of how mankind treats God, God is in heaven laughing at this group of small people on earth who think they're smaller than he is. We need to hear Psalms 2 again in our day. Amen? Because God still reigns. Songs that were used for special services. Psalms of trust and devotion. And I believe that's where Psalms 23 falls under because you and I cannot help but think about how much David trusted God. There's also songs that were sung by pilgrims going to Jerusalem to worship. And I forget the number, but the psalmist said, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Creation songs. You know, some of the most beautiful poetry speaks about God creating the heavens and the earth. You remember, I believe it's Psalms 19, the heavens declare the wonder of God. I go out sometimes at night and I see the Big Dipper and Cassiopeia and the Little Dipper and all those other constellations and all those other planets and stars. And I think about that Psalms, the heaven declare the glory of God. All you got to do is get outside and look around you and you see the glory of God. The psalmist saw that thousands and thousands of years ago. There's the wisdom psalms that give us instruction about God's righteousness and how he'll make us righteous. There's prophetic and messianic psalms that point to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalms 22 is a, is a, is a, a, a song that speaks about the crucifixion of the Lord. And folks, there is even... There's even psalms that invoke God's curse of judgment written by people who are suffering under the oppression of others. There's a psalm, and and I think it's 139. I should have written it down where the writers, where the people, whoever wrote it is in Babylon in exile, and they they say, we'll be glad when we see the babies of the Babylonians dashed against the rocks down by the river. Yes, that's in the word of God. But folks, here's the point. The Psalms tell us about God. The Psalms were used in worship. Guess which book in the Old Testament is quoted the most in the New Testament? It is the Psalms. 186 times the Psalms are quoted in the New Testament. One writer has said that the Hebrew Psalms were the spiritual food of the inner life of Jesus. I read that. I'd never, ever even thought about that. I'd never thought about how much the the Old Testament meant to the Lord Jesus as a man. But folks, this writer says that Jesus was born and reared uh, hearing the Psalms. His mother and father Pious Jewish folks probably taught Jesus 
the Psalms. Jesus probably heard the Psalms as he sat on Mary's knee. And those Psalms began to be stored up in his heart. And you might be saying, how do you know that? Psalms 22.1. Look at this on the screen. Psalms 22.1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Where do you hear that? That's on the lips of Jesus as he's been crucified. And listen to some more verses in Psalms 22. Listen to this. This is verses 14 to 18. And folks, this is a prophecy that the son would die. Listen to this. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot shared. My tongue cleaves to my jaws. Thou dost lay me in the dust of death. Yea, dogs are round about me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments. Look at verse 18. They divide my garments among them, and for my raiment they cast lots. Now listen to this quote from John's Gospel in John chapter 19, verse 24. So they said to one another, speaking of the soldiers at the foot of the cross, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They parted my garments amongst them, and for my my clothing they cast lots. Folks, let me ask you something. Is that accidental? Is that coincidental that Jesus is quoting Psalms 22? That John says even the act of casting lots for the garments of Jesus is to fulfill Scripture. Where did that Scripture come from? Psalms 22. Folks, let me do this, and I'm going to close, okay? Here's my intended point in the introduction of these Psalms. Folks, the book of Psalms is a very, very important part of the Word of God. And God desires for you and me in every generation, like David and the people of old, that we would have a song in our heart. We would have a testimony about God about who he is, what he has done, what he is doing in our lives. And folks, here's what I'm leading up to. Do you and I have a song in our heart for God? Do we? Folks, could we say like David, the Lord is my shepherd? Will we praise God on a day-to-day basis like the writer of these Psalms do? God has been dealing with my heart for weeks now about preaching these these sermons. And sitting in my study one day, and I think I shared this last week perhaps, sitting in my study one day, the thought occurred to me, if our relationship with God, our Christianity is boring and lifeless, it is because we have made it that way. We've left God out. And folks, it's time that we got excited again about this God that we serve. He is the God above all other gods. He is the shepherd God who provides our every, every need that we have. And I want to give you a homework assignment. I want you to listen to this, and I I really mean this from the heart. Youth and children, write a song or a poem about what you know about Jesus and how he's worked in your life. Write a song about God's love and work in your life. And adults, young or old, 
Would you write a song, a poem about our Lord, his love, his work in our lives? Would you? And two weeks from now, on February the 26th, I want to give you time. If you'll just come up to me and say, listen, I wrote a poem. I wrote a song about God. I believe that if God could inspire David and Asaph and He-Man and Moses and Korah's family to write something in honor of him, I want to do that too. Would you do that? If you do, you don't have to. This is not forced homework. I want to get you excited about God. And folks, I want to close with this story, okay? I'll do this quickly. The first five verses, the first five words in this psalm are so important. The Lord is my shepherd. I want to share this quick story and we'll close, okay? Dr. Leo Green was a professor at Southeastern Seminary when I was there. He's an older man, and he taught a, a course one summer entitled Great Text of the, of the Bible. And one of the great texts of the Bible was Psalms 23. And he began the course by telling us this story, and, and to my knowledge, this is a true story, that during World War II, toward the end of the war, there was to be a great offensive. Maybe you've heard me tell this story before, but there was to be a great offensive between the Allied soldiers and the German army. Chaplains were gathered by the army and the infantry commanders, and they began to talk with the chaplains and tell them that a great battle would soon take place, and they knew that many, many soldiers would be killed. And the chaplains were instructed to prepare their men for battle, for injury, and possible death. And one, one young chaplain was so overwrought, he began to pray, and he said, God, give me a passage of Scripture. Give me words that I can share with these soldiers getting ready to go to battle. And when his men were assembled, God had led him to read the 23rd Psalm to them. And the chaplain told the soldiers, remember the importance of these first five words, the Lord is my shepherd. And he said, the best way to remember the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd. And he said, put your index finger and your thumb together to remind you, my shepherd, my shepherd. And he told these soldiers that as you go into battle and as the bullets begin to be fired at you and the bombs begin to explode around you, continually quote this passage of Scripture and remind yourselves that God is with you and God is your shepherd. Hold the index finger and the thumb together to remind you the Lord is my shepherd. The day came for that great battle and many soldiers were killed and wounded. So many that the chaplains were sent out on the battlefield to help recover the bodies and to comfort those that were injured. And as this chaplain went out to help the injured and identify the dead... 
The chaplain who had told the men about Psalms 23 came upon a dead soldier. And as the chaplain chaplain looked upon the man's body, that as the man died, he had his index finger and his thumb pressed together. As a testimony that even as he died, the Lord was his shepherd. Folks, here's my point. In battle, in crisis, even in death, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. Folks, this is such a powerful portion of the word of God. This week, I hope none of us are going to be facing death. But regardless of what we're facing, guess what? The Lord is my shepherd. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you'll take what might have been a boring sermon. And Lord, you would open our eyes to see the importance of not only the book of Psalms, but being people of worship and praise. And Father, like those psalmists of old, Lord, I pray that you'll put a song in our hearts. And I pray, dear Lord, that we would be willing to praise you with our lives and with our lips and with our actions. And Father, I thank you that as we prepare to study this psalm, that you are our shepherd. Oh God, I just pray that you'll take the words of Psalms 23, and not only for old folks, but for young folks, for all folks, that you'll speak of yourself, and you'll reveal who you are as our shepherd, as our guide, and as our host throughout life. Lord, in these moments of invitation, I just pray that you'll bless us. And Lord, I pray that if there are decisions that need to be made, that you would, you would lead people to make public decisions for you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.